Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Certainly communion is a mystical aspect of our Christian life, the sacrament, the grape juice, the bread. We do it together, we do it all over the world, it's done in different ways. And please listen to this message, and I know it's one you can listen to over and over again. Because that celebration of communion is really a picture of body life, of church life. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Now read this verse with me. For we, being many, are one bread and one body. Read it again. For we, being many, are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. In this particular passage pertaining to the fact that the body is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is the body. And we illustrated that we cannot separate the body from the head, nor the head from the body. That the head perpetuates his life through the body. So everyone that receives Jesus Christ is a partaker of his life. And therefore, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 8.13, when they offended the weakest member of the body, they offended Jesus Christ. The body in 1 Corinthians 12.12 is Christ. And Christ is the body. Therefore, in Ephesians 5.30, we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And every single member is a member in particular in 1 Corinthians 12.27. Every single member is a member in particular. And every single member in the new creation is Christ. Now then, God places every member in the body as it pleases Him. When one member rejoiceth, all members rejoice. When one member suffers, all members suffer. When one member is honored, all members rejoice with that member. That's the principle is in 1 Corinthians 12.26 and Romans 12.15. We weep when they weep and we laugh when they laugh. Now, why is there such a consistent expression and manifestation of this oneness through the organic life of Jesus Christ in his spiritual body that is revealed over and over again in the scriptures. Watchman Nee said he understood the body theologically, but he'd never been in one like he understood the body should be. He said, I've never had the privilege to experience my message. For that reason, when Watchman Nee was offered a pardon, according to his doctor friend in England, who is in his late 80s or early 90s right now, a surgeon, when Watchman Nee was offered release from the communist prison 
before he died in the early 70s, he refused it and continued to be an accountant and continued in a life of prayer because of his disillusioned attitude toward the body of Jesus Christ. Notice with me carefully that discerning the body of Jesus Christ is extremely important for a mother to discern the teachers of Christian day school, for parents to discern the leaders of youth, is to discern not just personalities, but to discern the body of Jesus Christ, to discern the different gifts in the body, and to understand its diversity. While the body is one, the body is very diverse. Often diversity in the body and in the gifts that God gives causes confusion and separation in the body when those diversities of gifts should edify the body. The very thing that they are meant to do divides when they should be building up because people don't recognize the other person's gifts and jealousy gets in and envy and insecurity or pride. And when these things get in, then a person doesn't have the freedom or liberty to express his diverse gift in the body. The body should always have unity, but it will always be filled with diversity. And diversity is to complement it and to balance it and to build it up and to edify it through the maturity of its head, Jesus Christ. I imagine that many, many, many ministries from the beginning of time have had division over not understanding spiritual diversity. Now, discerning the body of Jesus Christ means many different things. Discerning the body of Jesus Christ means, first of all, to discern that the body is Christ and that Christ is the body. Secondly, is to discern that every single member of the body is a particular member. They are a particular member. Thirdly, not only are they a particular member, but they are a particular member placed there by God. A particular member placed there by God. Fourthly, Therefore, God gives his supreme grace to the individual of whom he places in his organism and by giving them his spiritual life. Discerning the body means if I withdraw from the body, it would be like my arm withdrawing from my shoulder. Picture, if it were possible, in this unbelievable illustration, if my arm could depart from my shoulder and say, pardon me, I'm tired of just hanging around that shoulder. <laughs> and so the arm somehow becomes detached. And the arm says, I feel I have a right to be my own member. And the head is leading me to be detached from the shoulder. And if you look very closely on that wall over there, you'll see me pasted upon it. 
If I appear to be, I go, give me time. As I draw near to that wall, I'll get great revelations from God. If indeed it were possible for my arm to be detached from my shoulder, my arm would indeed be dead. Just a dead arm. It wouldn't have any life in it. It couldn't even get subjected. It couldn't even say, well, I've been alone with the Lord. Every time you hear somebody consistently say, consistently, there's nothing wrong with being alone with the Lord. We all need that. But any time you hear somebody consistently say, well, I've, I've been alone with God, and they keep being alone with God, then you begin to say they're God's lone ranger. <laughs> but, uh, but you see, that arm could not receive any life from the head. It's a detached arm. Perhaps you prefer not to use the arm. We'll use your leg, your best one. And detach it from your body. And you can talk to that leg all you want to. But you can't talk that leg into living. If it's detached, if it's been severed from your body, you can make it look any way you want it to look. Dress it up. Hide the place where it was cut off. And if, if, if it's a woman's leg, you can even put on the prettiest nylons in the world. But it's simply the leg of a copse. Or at least the leg becomes a copse. Basically, many hyper-spiritual, subjective believers treat the body of Jesus Christ just like that, spiritually speaking. They are detached. They've gone beyond diversity of gifts. And their life is detached from the head, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ pours his life into every member of the body. And he tells us if we find some weaker members, they need us even more than the others. Discern the body. Discern it. And how do we discern the body? Satan constantly takes advantage of God's people. Supernatural skill. Human wisdom. Supernatural power even though limited, of course, by God. But Satan continually, when the life of Jesus Christ does not flow in the body, immediately Satan takes advantage. You remember Second Corinthians 2, 6 and 7, when they didn't forgive the man that repented of incest. Paul said in the 8th verse, you left the door open Forgive him God's way or Satan will take advantage of the whole body at Corinth. When they said, I'm a Paul, 1 Corinthians 1, 12 and 13, I'm of Apollos, I'm a Paul, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. Satan took advantage of that entire body. Why? The life of the head wasn't flowing through it. There was no discernment of the head of that body. There was no true discernment of Jesus Christ. The time has come, as Satan knows his time is shot, that we begin to realize that it is imperative that we discern the body of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice how it happens. It's our series on humility. In Psalm 10, verse 17, 
He hears the desire of the humble. Notice the second part. He prepares their heart. And the third part, he causes them to hear. Three things that God does for the humble. He hears the desire. He prepares their heart. And he causes their ear to hear. There's no way that the body of Jesus Christ can function as Christ without the humility of the head. I want you to notice it carefully. The humility of the head pouring his spirit out through every member of his body. And then the body functions in prosperity. The wife doesn't have to leave the husband. And the husband doesn't have to leave the wife. There doesn't have to be rebellion with the teenagers. There doesn't have to be incompatibility in relationships. The spirit of faith replaces the spirit of fear. We don't withdraw in detachment when something comes up. We honor the body of Jesus Christ. Notice with me carefully some of the things that God does when humility is in the body. Studying the scriptures, every single spiritual promotion comes through humility. Consider them in some order tonight. Whosoever is humble, or the Bible says, shall humble himself. This same person is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Here's a person who God calls the greatest through the humility of a little child. Humility brings on greatness in discerning the body of Jesus Christ. Secondly, the word of God says, when men are cast down, then they shall say there is a lifting up. And in Job 22:29, God will deliver the humble person. When there is a casting down, then the, God will say there is a lifting up. And he will deliver the humble person. The humble person, when he's cast down, gets delivered. Often, it is easy for individuals to go through periods of time when you sense a tremendous casting down. When men are cast down, there, there's a lifting up. And God delivers the humble. He's a beloved person through humility. Often we name this ministry after James 4, 6. God resists the proud, but gives greater grace to the humble. So the humble person gets greater grace. The Bible says he gets honored. He gets exalted. He gets riches that are spiritual. First Peter 5, 6. When we humble ourselves in due time, at a point of time we're exalted. At a point in God's plan, he chooses to exalt us. In that original setting, it means that the humble person stays humble and it appears everybody's taking advantage of him and he remains lowly and he remains humble and he remains in the last seat, so to speak. He remains not usurping any rights that he has. 
And at a certain time, all at once, suddenly, he's exalted in a certain period of time in due season. Discerning the body of Jesus Christ. There are many strangers' voices today. Strangers' voices. And these voices are very shrewd. They are very cunning. They are very crafty. But they don't understand these two verses we read. The cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the blood of the communion of Jesus Christ? The cup, meaning capacity. The capacity in our fellowship, our capacity in communion as the one bread, partakers of the one body, our capacity comes through the blessing of the blood in our relationship. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? This speaks of capacity to relate and discern the body through the blood. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And we have fellowship one with the other. Constantly, Jesus Christ has established the means of fellowship. We bless a cup, and the cup represents the blood. Our capacity in our relationship is revealed by the blood of the new covenant. The blood sprinkled on everything in the tabernacle. The blood purging the conscience. The blood washing away sin. The blood taking care of justification of faith. The blood revealing to us freedom, purity. The blood taking over our hearts, our minds, our ears, our tongue, our frame of reference. Taking over our soul. And this blood becomes our capacity to bless other body members. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? This passage, along with the next part, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Broken bread and shed blood. These are the two things that characterize discerning the body of Jesus Christ. Let me illustrate it. I come to Pastor Vieter. He's redeemed. He's purchased with Jesus Christ's own blood. Jesus Christ gave his body on the cross to redeem him. A broken body. My fellowship with him is around the blood and the broken body of Jesus Christ. So now through the same Holy Spirit of my head, the Lord Jesus, I allow Jesus Christ through faith to break me in my heart, in humility, so that I can be the life of Christ or the life derived from Christ to him. And our fellowship is around the blood. And so it goes on. Bury one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If a man thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceiveth his own self. Then the verse 5. Bear your own burden. Of Galatians 6. We have this tremendous thing. It isn't personalities. Unless sin is not repented of, it's not sin. 
Sin never stopped the power of God from going through the ministry if it was repented of. It's not sin. It's a heart that's deceived or someone that thinks he's something when he was purchased with Christ's own blood and bought with the power of a broken body. Our fellowship is completely around the cup and around the bread. And we being many are one bread and many members were one body. And we're all partakers of that body. And Sunday night, we describe the work of Satan versus the work of God. How the work of Satan expands, extends itself, permeates into the fiber of the Christian community. But the way that Jesus Christ penetrates into the fellowship of God's people is we bless the cup. We bless the cup. We bless the cup and then we become broken bread. Let me illustrate it. Distributing to the necessity of the saints in Romans 12:15. Bless the cup, become broken bread. Jesus will have no place to lay his head. He will eventually die on the cross for the guilty and become guilty as he bears their own sins. Broken bread. That life flowing through me, that life flowing through you, cannot be divided. Is Christ divided? He cannot be divided. Jesus Christ cannot be divided when his life penetrates into his people's hearts. The only life that can be divided is that that does not come from Jesus Christ, but from the soul life of men. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. Wow, a great message. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and following. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Wow. Isn't that the depth of the, those couple of verses there? The cup of blessing which we bless. In Psalm 15, 17 and 18, The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. But we bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. And really we bless, we bless. What does that mean? God blesses us. We bless something. James 3, 8 and 9. For the tongue can no man tame, for it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Wherewith bless we God, even the Father, and wherewith curse we men, which are made of the same similitude of God. We pronounce approval. That is a blessing, isn't it? There's something... Amazing about that, to bless. We see in the Old Testament, 
a blessing. How important that was in the family. We bless God. We we uh, speak approval. This is why. What a, what a crazy thing that we bless God, even the Father. We speak to people about a life with God. We 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 show this approval on this relationship with God, and yet we curse men. <laughs> and therefore cause a great contradiction in the hearer to hear us do both things. And that's why we don't. We don't curse men. This is why a gracious tongue. We, we don't speak evil. We, we proclaim the gospel. We speak to people about a life with God, about grace and good news. And we have a gracious tongue. And if, and if not, and in, then we repent. We, we repent to people. We repent to God for speaking evil. We, we don't want to do God forbid that we would do that. The cup of blessing which we bless. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Christ has cleansed us, made us whole. He sanctified us with his own blood. And this cup, the cup of blessing, we bless it. We, we speak approval of what God has done for us, what God has done in people's lives, this new life in Jesus Christ that we can have, the new birth. We speak approval about it. We, the, the, we bless the cup. We bless the cup. And we have communion with God. When we agree with him about what he's done on the cross, we approve of what God approves of. Yes, yes then we have communion with God. We are in agreement. We walk together. We agree with God. The bread we break. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? There are a couple of instances in the New Testament and the book of Acts where bread is broken. We could speak of a few, but let's speak of one now. And this is in the in the upper chamber. Paul is preaching. He's speaking and He's been speaking for a long time. <laughs> and a young man fell fell from the loft, and uh, he died. It says in verse 10 of Acts 20, Paul went down and fell on him and embraced him. He said, Trouble not yourselves, for, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again, he had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of the day. So he departed. And they brought the young man alive. And we're not a little comforted. <laughs> and yes, we, we speak of break, breaking of bread, and it's spoken of often. And it, what does it mean? It means to eat together in, com, in common conversation. Maybe this term isn't even so much used now as it has been in the past. But this breaking of bread, the root of it, the root of it is fellowship in the body of Christ, fellowship in the church, eating together, having joy together, not just being in church together. Now we sit and we hear the word of God and this is high this concentration is great praise to hear the word of God to rejoice in what the word of God says to be together in the congregation quiet listening to preaching but yes wonderful awesome but also to be together after this fellowship that we have one with another fellowship breaking of bread living our lives together, making memories together with one another. Important. So important to church life. Someone's car breaks down 
and others in the church are aware. Maybe word gets around through different means, and someone gives a ride, and someone helps with the car. Someone has mechanical skills. Bread broken, bread broken. We are the body. We are that one loaf baked together. Broken bread, broken grains milled into fine flour and baked together in the loaf of the body of Christ. Amazing. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com So maybe you don't know what this means. Maybe all of this, all of this, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, the communion one with another, this is uh, foreign because you have not yet been born again. You don't know Jesus as your Savior. Church life seems like social life. But maybe now, after this message, after hearing this, maybe after many messages, maybe after hearing many things, but tonight, today, this afternoon, you're ready to make a decision. You're ready to ask Jesus to be your Savior. You're ready to go deeper than you've ever gone before. You're ready to have communion. You want to drink of that wine and experience that joy of knowing that your sins are cleansed away. You want to walk together with people in purity, knowing your, knowing men and women as your brothers and sisters in Christ, having a relationship with them that's pure, that's real. Pray a prayer. Pray a prayer with me, something like this. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Your blood was shed. And it was shed for the remission of sins. Your body was broken, and it was broken for me. That I might not suffer the penalty of my own sin, because you suffered it for me. But instead, I would be saved. I would be cleansed. I would be made alive by your act of incredible grace and mercy. I, Though I put off my garment, I put off my heaviness and take up the garment of praise today. <laughs> I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for saving me. Come into my life. Save me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.